Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo, and on this show I interview women and a few cool dudes, all of them entrepreneurs, healers, artists, and change makers, about what it takes to put your dreams into action. And today I have as my guest a woman who has gone through all kinds of odds to emerge triumphant in a life of purpose. She is a motivational speaker and the driver of the largest vehicle ever made. Thank you, Kathy. Takaro for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Linda. It's yeah. a real honor. Thank you. Yeah, and you are from Edmonton, so you've come a long way to be to Boston. I did. I did. I'm on my way to New York, so I figured Boston's not that far. I'll just come and do a pit stop. <laughs> that, perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah. So you have become a motivational speaker. I have. Tell us about what it is that your mission is and we can get more into your backstory a little bit. Well, the reason I started all this is because I never spoke about my own personal trauma and abuse until I was the age of 40. Uh, I'll be 48 here right away, so it's just fairly recent. And I realized the importance of breaking that silence because by not um, sharing the secrets that I was holding, it helped me prisoner, I guess, in, in a sense you could say. And it stopped me from moving forward and so from the time I took to, to, to heal I've learned I've met a lot of lot of women who are in the same boat and many women don't share and not just women I have to say men as well but a lot of uh, people don't necessarily share their stories of trauma because they want to leave the past in the past however what that does by, by holding it a secret it it's like excess baggage that you're lugging around with you everywhere you go. And by finally able, being able to release that, I have moved up and onward and into a world that I could never, ever have imagined six years ago to where I, to where I am today. And the reason I speak is because I want to share that so other people can be released of their, their pain and their suffering. Right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So is it just a matter of sharing the story that allows you to heal, or what is the process of healing? No, it's, it's, the sharing's a part of it, but it goes a lot deeper than that. For me, by showing that people can get out of their rut, get, can get out of that deep, dark hole of depression that they might find themselves in, and showing them how, what step that you can take, and next step, and next step to, to, to find that, I call it spiritual freedom, um, is important because Nobody was was nobody showed me how to do it. I kind of had to figure it out the, the hard way, and a lot of trial and error, and a lot of tears of frustration. I can tell you that much. So by my kind of doing what I'm doing, I'm kind of hoping to assist and to ease <laughs> the, the the stepping stones. That mm -hmm. you know, if I can kind of guide people, to, okay, well, this is what you need to do, and then this might help, and this might help. Because when you're overwhelmed and you have this cloud of darkness above you, it's really hard to break away through it and to kind of see what step you need to take and it's easily overwhelming for anybody that's really hurting. Mm -hmm. So by doing what I do, I'm kind of hoping to assist in making it an easier process. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the stories that you feel are important to share with other people so that they feel comfortable uh, sharing their own? Well, I'm going to say abuse is abuse. I've met a lot of people 
that um, have various stories of abuse, some worse than mine, some not, it doesn't matter to me. Abuse is abuse, bottom line. So how, whatever form that may take, it's how people cope with it or don't cope with it. So the stories I share aren't necessarily vivid graphic stories of the actual incident. It's the frame of mind that I like to connect with because that is something that everybody can deal with, right? Everybody can talk about as opposed to the actual incident because mm -hmm. that can be very traumatic for people. I mean, mm -hmm. it is for me. Mm -hmm. um, it'll always be there, but today I don't necessarily hang on to it, right, mm -hmm. like I used to. Mm -hmm. So by the stories that I do share are more so the, the steps I took to get out of it, mm. the, the steps I took to be able to learn to let it go. Because up until I was 40, I didn't know how to let it go. I didn't know, I didn't even, I had buried it so deep that I didn't even recognize that I needed to, to get rid of it. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, in my book, chapter six is called Bird with a Broken Wing, and that's at that state. I, I couldn't function anymore. And so that's where I want to kind of help people to, to get out of, right? Okay, so. so you mentioned your book. So you've, oh, yes. you've written a book. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and when is it going to come out? It's going to be out in, in August. Wow. Yes, I'm very excited. And what's the name of it? It's called Dream Big. <laughs> and how did you pick that name? Because um, coming way back from uh, all my trauma and abuse, I, I still had dreams. I still had things I wanted to do. And regardless of how hurt I was, I still had that image in my mind. And even when I left nursing and I had nowhere to go and I didn't know what I was doing, when I came across um, the, the chance that occurred that I could go to Women Building Futures and now I drive the biggest truck, the truck represents, yes, it's a big truck, but it represents much more than that. It represents to me, I was in the, I was homeless for a week, so from that deep dark place to all of a sudden this truck that's so gigantic, dream big, <laughs> and I mean big, <laughs> and, and you can achieve it, you can, you really can. Wow, so you mentioned a couple of things oh, from yeah. your backstory, I was like, oh, what about that? So you were a nurse. I was. For? I was a nurse for 13 years. For 13 years. I was. And this was part of the period of time where you were silent? Yes, because for me, even though this is how bad it was, I was living in a women's shelter and still working as a nurse at the hospital because I couldn't, well, number one, I needed a paycheck, but number two, um, I wasn't able to look at my own problems. It was so much easier for me to deal with someone who say who's got who's a burn victim or who's got multiple issues, uh, cancer. I mean there's so many awful things that go on in the hospital that when I thought about my own problems I'm like oh it's not that bad, right? The, like They're just bruises, they'll go away. But it really was a lot more than that and so I Pretended, 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 and kind of hit a, you know, you go to work, you put on that mask, and everything's fine. In reality, at home, it's a nightmare. So um, I can only do that for so long. And then I, I hit a point, oh, I, I hit a wall when I was 40. I went to work one day, and I'm looking, I'm working the night shift. I'm looking at my sheet, and I couldn't read it. It was completely Chinese. I, I'm, I'm trying to read it, and I'm rubbing my eyes, and I, I couldn't read it. And I knew right then and there that I was done, that there is no more pretending, no more uh, putting it away in a lockbox. 
and so I had to go deal with it and I did I took two years off of, off of life and I went into a women's recovery program to figure out I had to relearn about boundaries about codependency about anger management I always thought I wasn't angry until they taught me then I'm like oh yes <laughs> I was one pissed off lady <laughs> But it took all these these classes, these these long time in therapy to, to kind of deal with it, to recognize how hurt I was. Because a lot of people, myself, especially myself, you put on masks, you put on masks, you put on masks. No, I'm good, I'm tough, I'm a survivor, uh, you know, I'm strong and I can deal with this. At some point, it's going to overflow. And that's exactly what it did for me. And it got to a point where I couldn't go back to nursing. I, I knew I couldn't because even though I, I'm healthy now, if I were to go back nursing today, it would, I think it would slowly, slowly tend to creep up on me. I would still tend to care about everybody else. So I know for a fact I needed a job where I could just drive <laughs> like, like I do. Like, so today I, I drive and I take care of me and yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So tell us about your driving. How, what, yeah. what do you drive? How did you end up on this biggest vehicle ever produced? <laughs> it is the coolest job in the world, I have to admit. As much as I love nursing, I was really good at it, but this, yes, it's the biggest truck in the world, but it's not just that. It's that sense of accomplishment, that sense of empowerment, that when I'm driving and I'm looking down at everybody that are so small, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I got this. I triumphed over all the trauma and all the abuse and all the, the words of you'll never amount to nothing, you're no good for nothing, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, whatever it is, right? It's like a negative thing in, in your ear. I triumph that. And that to me is priceless. Those negative thoughts that sometimes they'll creep up, well, what I do is I, I roll down my window and I give them the boot, right? I don't let them in my truck, I don't let them anywhere near me because that is my healing power. That is my 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 strength, you know, when I drive. And to this day, it's it's um, I've been there four years and I still get to work and I still look up at this truck and I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> Wow, thank you, God. And so, so this is a, it's a, um, describe the truck. It's a 797 F-Series Caterpillar Earth Mover Truck. Earth Mover Truck. <laughs> yeah, it's 400 tons. The tire- 400 tons. 400 tons, it is. The tires are twice my size. Uh, if you go to my website later, you can actually see the truck is, is, on, my, is on my page. Or go to Caterpillar, <laughs> they have How one too. How do you too. get up there to the driver's seat? <laughs> <laughs> I helicopter up, no, I'm kidding. No, it's uh, stairs, a <laughs> couple uh -huh. sets of stairs. But it is massive 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 the shovels are the size of ships like little ships they're huge everything is big everything so it's like when I first got there um, after being homeless for a week and three years later I finally made it to where I was um, in, in the mine and I'm looking up at this truck and I'm thinking back of the time when I was homeless I'm like wow how did I end up here I mean just the whole magnitude of it, not just the size of the truck, that's the title of the book, Dream Big, but it's so much more than that, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you've got this book coming out and you're starting to let people know about it. What has, what kind of opportunities have opened up for you? Aside from being here. <laughs> I was gonna say here, here. of course. <laughs> uh, well, through the book, I, I, 
networked with a, a lady who wrote a book on her story of sexual abuse, and her book is called uh, Helpless Cries by Michelle Sabrina Alexander, and she's from Grenada. And so when we were talking about just you know, our stories of abuse, she was telling me that uh, April was Abuse Awareness Month, and I'm like, oh, really? Would you look at that? And I said, I haven't been on a holiday in a few years, so I'm thinking I'm going to go down to Grenada and <laughs> check it out. And while I'm there, instead of just lounging on a beach, which is nice, I want a tour. I want to see mm -hmm. the, the women's shelters. I want to see schools. I want to go talk. And so it worked out. She kind of organized everything, not just for myself, but a lady from New York. Uh, her name is Charmin Prince. She came with me. And so, well, we met in Grenada, and we did just that. We went and spoke. Uh, on self-esteem at the women's shelter. Uh, we spoke, I spoke to two schools. One, we had 130 children from the St. Andrew's Anglican Church, uh, yeah, like 130 students in the church talking about sexual abuse awareness and don't touch me there. And we had the song going, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And then we spoke, to, I spoke to um, 38 juveniles in, a, in the youth detention center, which was priceless beyond words. I can't even begin to tell you the goodness that came out of that. And before, while I, w I knew I was going there, what I did in Canada is I toured three schools up in Northwest Territories and I went all over Edmonton to, d to various groups, uh, shelters, recovery places, uh, other programs that they had. And we st I started uh, Hands of Hope Project for Grenada. And what that is, what I did is I had the people outline their hands, decorate them and write words of hope all over. So from all these different groups and projects, I got 140 sets of hands. And so all these little kids in the school, there was 120 something of them, I can't remember. And they each got a set of hands from Canada and with stickers and were there. Some wrote biblical passages, some were just wrote, you know, hope, strength, love, courage, don't give up, all sorts of things. And those pictures, which uh, you'll show later, they were like gold. These kids are holding up these hands and it was like the best thing they'd ever had. It was incredible. It really, really was. And so I'll be going back from October 1st to the 18th mm -hmm. to continue on and to go volunteer my time and spend time with these, these beautiful, beautiful souls. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it must feel so satisfying and purposeful to be able to share your story and touch people's lives and have it, you know, kind of like have this ripple, this positive ripple effect. Oh, yes. It, it, yeah, ripple is the good word because the thing what I noticed is you don't know who's listening. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's actually needs to hear your words. Mm -hmm. And I had a choice three years ago after I had... I got my job, I got married, I'm happy, life is good. My choice was either I can sit at home for 10 days and watch TV and waste God's precious time, or I can do something that's gonna make a difference. So I chose, you know what, this is a second chance I have, I'm gonna do what I can. Because if I was hurting that bad, I mean, how many millions of other people are hurting? So maybe my words can inspire someone that they can change, that instead of maybe wanting to commit suicide, maybe they can lift up the phone and call a distress line. You know, mm -hmm. and so by even going to Grenada and doing what I did, that showed me a hundred times over just how important it is, mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue on absolutely mm -hmm. uh, as much as I can everywhere I can go. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was huge. So in these four years since you hit bottom, <laughs> there must have been ups and downs. What do you? What did you do to help yourself? 
when you were in a low spot? Okay, I'll share a story because it is a critical, important moment in time where I had a major decision. When I lost my nursing career, I, due to alcohol, I was, had very poor coping skills. Uh, my daughter wasn't talking to me. I had got evicted. I had no money. I had nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I was hopeless. And I ended up homeless for a week. Doesn't sound like much, but let me tell you, a week on the streets when you're not used to it is brutal. So um, I'm in this heavy fog, like in my, my brain, the depression, just I couldn't, decisions, and it just seemed overwhelming for me. So I'm kind of stumbling along, and I, I followed this man. His name was Toothless Joe. <laughs> Toothless Joe. <laughs> Toothless Joe. So him, he was happy. He was quite content with that life. And so I figured I'd follow him around. He kind of knew the survival things. Anyhow, on the seventh day, he slaps me on the back and says, this is the life. Live it. Love it. And he hit me so hard on the back. I had a, It's as if the fog cleared. And I had a moment of clarity. And in that single moment, I saw something. And I, I look at him, and I'm like, what did you say? And he, he said, he repeated it. I'm like, this is not my life. I don't care what, it might be okay for you. This is not my life. I actually stomped my foot and I said, no, this is not happening. And with that, in that second, I turned around, I went to the hospital, I got the help I needed. And that kind of got the ball things rolling because that moment with Toothless Joe, in my mind was unacceptable. I'm not doing this. And so I had a choice. I could have easily said, Yes, you know, this is it, that's it, I'm done, I'm depressed, I've lost everything, I have nowhere to go, I have no hope, I have no money. But I'm like, no, that fire inside of me would not let me accept that as my, as my destiny. Mm -hmm. this, it's not happening. And so that, that was six years ago. That so was six years ago. Six years so ago. So you knew that program existed earlier, because you knew yeah. to go there. What kept you from going there before? It's a year-long program. Uh, you always think, you know, a I'm a nurse, commitment. it's a big commitment, I, I don't need that kind of help. No, I did. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really did. You needed to hit rock bottom. You needed uh, to have nothing. That was, yeah, a, a new level of rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I, I'd hit different levels of mm -hmm. rock bottom, but that was a new one. Mm -hmm. And one counselor at one time had taught me, she gave me an empty water bottle, and she said, for every line on that water bottle, you list things that have happened to you, and then you'll see. So I, I did it, and it took about a week, and both sides of the page, on both sides, were things that have happened to me that I had never dealt with. So when I saw her again, she lifts up the sheet, and she says, do you really think that 21 days is going to help you deal with all this stuff? And I'm like, no. You're right. It takes time. The thing is, we want to think that we're tough. We want to think that we don't need it. But deep down, uh, you do. Sometimes you really need to just surrender and say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I like to think I'm tough and I'm strong. I may drive the biggest truck in the world, but I'm still, I'm still vulnerable inside. Mm -hmm. I'm still human, right? So how do you help yourself in those vulnerable moments? Today is a different story. What I'm do you not, do today? Yeah. The back in the day was a completely different story. Today, I make sure that I take time for myself. I have to. It is a critical part of my healing process. And if I'm going to be doing what I'm doing, I have to take care of me. So what does that consist of? That consists of, I, I meditate. I contemplate, I guess you could say, uh, which is very, my faith is, is crucial to me. It's very, very important. Um, I love to, I took up running. I love to run. I do. Never said I was good at it, but I love it. 
I, I'm an avid mountain biker. I really enjoy the, uh, that just releases all the stress. I, I don't go on the typical paths, you know, I kind of go up and down. Um, yeah, so, and now I've started traveling. And just by, by doing what I did in that church is huge, huge, is healing, 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 by talking to those kids, by talking to women, by giving them something to, to hope for, by planting seeds that change can happen is huge. It's very healing for me to see the difference from before I walk in to when I leave, that light in their eyes, all of a sudden it's there, it's, it's priceless, it really is, yeah. yeah. So if someone was listening to this who had some trauma in their past, what would be your message to them? You know, for anybody that is hurting, and I, I know there's a lot out there, the best thing that you could possibly do is take that very scary first step and help yourself. Pick up that phone, call the distress line, call the helpline, call the suicide prevention line, call whatever line that there is and help yourself. Because if you don't help yourself, who will? You're valuable, you're priceless, you're important. And even if you think you might not, you are. And whatever problems are happening in your life right now, whether it be financial, emotional, physical, um, if there's health problems, if whatever it is, it is surmountable. And I really believe that once you start taking those baby steps and helping yourself, things will change. The universe will conspire and, and meet you halfway to, to show you where you need to go, give you the, the nudges, the inner nudges, to follow your intuition, to, to, to go to the right places, to find the help that you can get. Because there's lots of resources out there. There's a lot. It doesn't matter what city you're in. There's some. There's, you just have to pick up the phone and find it. Right? And you have to believe it somehow, some way, somewhere, <laughs> that your destiny is not meant to be down there. Mm. That it is so far above and beyond that you can't even fathom. Because let me tell you, six years ago when I was homeless with Toothless Joe, did I know about this truck? No! I didn't even know they existed! It was like a whole different planet. But look at me today. Did I ever think I would see a beach when I was homeless? No! <laughs> did I ever think of Grenada? I didn't even know Grenada until, so do you see, you don't know what miracles are around the corner. But as long as I stayed on that couch, not moving and crying and crying and on my tears and just so miserable, how can I change if I'm still there? You have to find it within yourself, that strength, that courage, that somewhere, that there's a better tomorrow, that something is going to be better. But you, you have to take that first step. You have to. And no matter what you're letting go of, whether, like I said, a big career, if you lost your career, some people get fired, whatever it is, there's something different, something better. That's not the end all of all. Like losing my nursing career due to alcohol was huge, huge. Because at the time, I was 40, 42 when I finally lost it, and what am I going to do? How do you change careers? How do you start over with nothing? I felt so raw, vulnerable, open, and I, and I really thought that was it. I was done. Until I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's got to be something else. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to find it. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. I did. So if I can do it, anybody can. It's really inspiring. Because I, all I knew for a fact, this is the one thing that I knew, was that being with Toothless Joe was not my destiny. <laughs> that was it. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know what steps I was going to take. I, I had no idea. Hmm. But... That I didn't know. <laughs> that no. <laughs> so it's just as important to know what you don't want yeah. as what you do want. That's right. Because I didn't know where I was going. I so had, you just take yeah. whichever you're clear on. Yeah. If it's whether it's the no or it's the yes. That's right. And you run with it. You do. That's great.
Well, I have a box of okay. cards, my magic wild card, Ooh. and I'd love for you to pick one. And dum 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 dum. <laughs> and uh, just speak a little bit about what it. Okay, ah, for you. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I love surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I am full of surprises. I really am. I don't know if it's because I'm a Gemini. I'm spontaneous. I, I, I'm alive. Um, I, I throw surprises. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I play. I do things like uh, at work on 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 my coworkers. I play tricks on them. I'll be driving along because it gets monotonous. Sometimes you're driving 13 hours a day, and so. Just to kind of break that, what I'll do is I'll throw on a, a wig, like a really big wig or a cone head, or <laughs> and so I'll drive and I'll stop beside the grader and I'll look down and I'm like, hey, <laughs> look up, look like, and I'm like, ha ha, gotcha. No, I think surprises are phenomenal. My husband gives me a lot of surprises, a lot of flowers, a lot of you know balloons and pr presents and just randomly, and so I know the difference it can make. And so wherever I go, and when I do my speaking engagements uh, to, to wherever, I always bring surprises for, for the guests. Mm -hmm. I always do, because mm -hmm. it's nice, right? Mm -hmm. And especially when you're hurting, that one little thing, just kind of like, oh, wow, you know? It makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. It really does. Mm -hmm. So I'm also thinking that your whole story carries the element of surprise. <laughs> Right? I guess. I hadn't thought about it because like that. I, well, but you just have been describing how you would never have imagined. That's right. That you would yeah. be doing what you're doing now. That's right. Six years ago. That's a big surprise. It is. It is. Because if you really think about it, because in that, when I was homeless, I was with a whole bunch of other lost souls that just accepted it and that's what they're doing and they go from place to place to place and I, when I said, yeah, this, is, this isn't happening, although I didn't know where I was going, it is a surprise. If I were to bring this and show Toothless Joe, if I were ever to see him again, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> Look where I am today. <laughs> and I bet you, all those that have like, really told me that I, you know, I'd never amount to nothing, that I was worthless and no good and all these horrible things, surprise! <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> Yeah, no. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You yeah. really don't. God gave me a second chance, and I am using it to the max. I refuse to sit on my couch and, and just do nothing. I, 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 it's almost as if I hear the clock ticking, tick-tock, tick-tock. And my years of nursing have taught me that you don't know when your time is up. You don't know when you're going to get hit with a really heavy disease, or you don't know. And especially in this day and age, the amount of cancer that's going around. So I am doing what I can now, today. To, do, to make a difference, to, to ignite hope in all those that come across my path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for your, <laughs> your passion. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I'm sure there are many people who can relate. There are many people who want to learn and will be inspired. The thing is, is that I have 10 days off at a time. So I have time 
to go somewhere. I have a month paid vacation at a time every year. I have time to travel where I need to travel. So this coming year, I fully intend, like I'm going back to Grenada from October 1st to the 18th, but after that, every 10 days, I'm hoping to go to Barbados to tour the islands, the Caribbean islands, and see those shelters. Not to be a tourist in, in a resort, go see the people that need it. Go see the people that are hurting, you know, and make that difference because they too can change. What we might think is, is a tropical paradise, it's a prison to them. It's an island, right? And so that I learned, uh, I learned that. So I can go anywhere and travel as much as I can and, and speak and spread hope. Well, thank you so much for doing your work and yeah. spreading your hope <laughs> and coming on to Women Inspired today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So thank you for joining in on our conversation. If you'd like to hear more, come on to the next episode. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV.